Spirit of God. He's sure good, isn't he? Glory, 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 glory. Praise his holy name. Amen. Let's be seated a moment. Praise God. Well, I've been asked to um, let us know. Some people have asked about partnership, that they would like to partner with us. Well, you could just talk with one of the ushers or go to the information desk. You'll see a slip you could feel. So um, we would like to pray with you, pray for you, and stand with you as our partner. Praise God. It's not about what we can get from you. It's about how we can team up together for the cause of Christ. How we can also be a blessing in your life. Praise the Lord. And if you're streaming online, you could go to our website, raymanigeria.com. raymanigeria.com. You'll see information there about partnership. I've been asked to tell us about that. Praise God. Well, haven't these meetings been good? The morning sessions, the times of prayer. The evening sessions, the Holy Ghost meetings, proper, praise the Lord. And um, just like we said earlier, the purpose of this meeting is first for our students. We want them to be trained not only in the word of God, but also in the Holy Ghost. Amen. In our level one class, we have um, a class on how you can be led by the spirit of God. We have another class on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. We have another class on gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we spend some time teaching about the things of the Spirit of God. But you know, there's something about in a meeting, in a setting like this, amen, where you can see some things. You know, some things are more caught than they are taught. Praise God. And there's just something about association, environment, and influence. So these meetings are targeted first for our students, also for our alumni, for our alumni, a time of refreshing, amen, where the company comes home, a time of home, homecoming, a renewal, amen, to get refired, rekindled, amen, and to strengthen one another, glory to God. And also for our partners, the meetings are for our students, our alumni, partners, our friends, and as well to the general public, praise the Lord. And um, what's a Holy Ghost meeting? Just like we've said, number one, in a Holy Ghost meeting, the Word of God is preached and not taught. Praise God. The Word of God always comes first. It's preached and not taught. Now, because we've had hours, hundreds of hours of class teaching for our students, praise God, there are certain things we can assume where they are concerned, and it's a correct assumption. Amen. So, um, in a Holy Ghost meeting, the Word of God is preached and not taught. Secondly, in a Holy Ghost meeting, the Spirit of God is leading, is guiding, is in demonstration, as well as in manifestation. So the person of the Holy Spirit is emphasized and his work. And um, certain things are demonstrated for us to see. You know, God's word says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that's not my text, in verses 4 and 5, Paul said there, he said, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith shall not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Amen. So there's something about the power of God being in demonstration, the spirit of God being in manifestation, and he just doing his own thing as he wants. Of course, God uses men, but we just endeavor to flow with him and to follow his leading. Praise God. And thirdly, in a Holy Ghost meeting, the needs of the people are met. And they are full of joy. The needs of the people are met and they are full of joy. 
when Brother Hagin was going to uh, start having those Holy Ghost meetings, that was the direction God gave him, the instruction God gave him. And this is Rema Bible Training Center. We are an extension of the mandate given to Brother Hagin to go teach my people faith and to help usher in the last great move of God's spirit and the return of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Well, in um, every service, we endeavor to pray, ask God what he want us to do, who he will have us share, and what direction he will have us go. And in um, just talking with the Lord about this evening and what he will have us do, something was laid on my heart, and uh, we'll just share some along that line and see what direction the Spirit of God will lead. Amen. Let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for you are indeed our Father, a loving Father, a gracious Father. Thank you most of all for the great plan of redemption which you planned and sent your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to consummate. Thank you for your word that brings us a revelation of that plan. Thank you for the great and mighty one, the Holy Spirit, whom you've sent to be our teacher and to be our guide. We're open to him to move as he wants to tonight. Thank you, Father, for giving me our trench and the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And um, I'll read one verse there. Ephesians chapter 5. In verse 18. Ephesians 5, 18. The Bible says, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Amen. So, God wants us to be, first, full of the Word, and second, He wants us full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Full of the Holy Ghost. Uh, the last part of that verse that we just read, Ephesians 5.18, it says, be filled with the Spirit. Now, Greek scholars tell us that there's actually a play on words there. Now, the literal Greek says, be being filled with the Spirit. Be being filled with the Spirit. Now, obviously, this has to be the case because the saints at Ephesus were already filled with the Holy Ghost in the initial infilling. You know, God's Word says in Acts chapter 19, from verse 1 to 6, it says that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came unto Ephesus. Finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He said, Unto what then were ye baptized? He said, Unto John's baptism. He said, John verily baptized, saying they should believe on him that should come after him that is on Jesus. And the Bible says, And they believed and they were baptized in the name of Jesus. Verse 6 says, And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. So obviously, they got filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Verse 7 says the number of the men was about 12. So there was quite a sizable group there. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They spoke with tongues. Yet Paul is writing them again. And Paul says to them, be filled with the Spirit. Now, did Paul forget he had gotten them filled with the Holy Ghost? No, he didn't. But you see, this is it. This is New Testament pattern. There is one initial infilling with the Holy Ghost. But the plan of God is that there be subsequent refillings, that we constantly stay filled. Now, God's word says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, He says, For which cause we think not, but though our outward man perisheth, yet the inward man is renewed day by day, day by day. The plan of God 
is that there be a daily renewal of our spirit in the word of God and also in the Holy Ghost on a daily basis. Remember what the psalmist said in Psalm 92 verse 10. He said, my horn shall thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn that I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Praise God. So we need to maintain fresh oil in our lives. We need to constantly stay filled with the spirit. And the pattern in the New Testament is that there is one initialing feeling with the Holy Ghost. But there ought to be subsequent refillings. Praise God. We need to maintain a constant experience of being filled with the spirit. D.L. Moody said something. He said, living on past experiences is like living on stale manna, stale bread. You know, we don't want to hear, you know, what God used to do in those days. Thank God for what he did in those days. That's good. But what is he doing in these days? He's still doing something. Well, in the days God used to use us. Well, what's he doing with us now? Amen. Thank God for those days. But we are in these days. Glory to God. And he's the same God. He hasn't changed. His power hasn't changed. Amen. His word hasn't changed. Glory to God. And his spirit is still moving, doing awesome things today. So the plan of God is that we stay filled constantly. Now we see another example of this same uh, truth in Acts of the Apostles chapter 2 from verse 1 to 4. The Bible says they're talking about what happened on the day of Pentecost. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, that was what they were waiting for. Jesus had told them in Luke 24, 49, said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. said, But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. So they were not waiting for the Holy Ghost. They were waiting for the day of Pentecost. Amen. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost was poured out. Since Pentecost, God hasn't given anybody the Holy Ghost. God gave the Holy Ghost to the body of Christ on Pentecost. Since that time, people have only been receiving the gift that God has already given. Are you listening to me? So, there's no use starring today to be filled. Amen. He's a gift. He was given on the day of Pentecost and since then he's been here. Well, Acts 2 from verse 1. It says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all together with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And they appeared unto them, cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So, the 120, they got filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts 2.4. Praise God. But yet, we get into Acts chapter 4. And we read something that happened after Peter and John had gotten that man by the gate beautiful healed. And how they were uh, taken in question, Pharisees, Sadducees. They got mad when they saw a miracle. They commanded them not to teach or preach anymore in the name of Jesus. Then in Acts chapter 4, from verse 23 through to 31, the Bible says, I'm being let go. When they let them go, they went back to their own company. Look, you need to keep coming back to your own company. Amen. Thank God for the individual anointing. Thank God for the anointing of ministry gifts. But there is a corporate anointing that's stronger than any other one. Praise God. And there's something about your own company. Praise God. People that believe like you do. People that flow with the Holy Ghost like you do. You need to constantly, constantly stay hooked up with your own. And there's no better place to be when you're in trouble than with your own company. Praise God says they went back to their own company reported all that the chief priests and elders had said and the bible says and when they had heard they lifted up their voice to god with one accord notice they didn't try to set up a committee to say how they could you know 
think of the possibility of probably reaching a truce or a compromise somewhere. No, that wasn't what they did. Amen. They lifted up their voice to God with one accord. And notice it doesn't even say they lifted up their voices. It says they lifted up their voice. So they prayed with one accord. The essence of what they prayed was this. And they said, oh Lord, you know, thou art God who's made the heavens, the earth, the seas, and all that in them is. So they started out by magnifying God, not magnifying the trouble, not magnifying the persecution, not magnifying the opposition. They magnified God. And then they now reminded him of his word. Who by the mouth of thy servant David had said, quoting from Psalm 2, Why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth stood up, rulers were gathered against thy child, thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Jews, the children of Israel, and Gentiles, for to do what thy hand had counsel had determined before to be done. And then they said, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. That was all they said about all the persecution. Behold their threatenings. Behold their threatenings. Now we know something about persecution for the cause of Christ in this city, right? And the Bible tells us how to react in the face of these things. It says, Lord, behold their threatenings. And now what did they pray for? They said, and now, you know, behold their threatenings. Grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. They were trying to shut them out, but they were busy asking God for boldness. You know, there are some things you shouldn't pray for. It's unnecessary and unscriptural to pray for faith. Faith doesn't come by praying for it. It comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's unnecessary to pray for love. If you're born again, the love of God is already shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. You just need to feed that love nature. Now, if you're a believer, it's unscriptural to pray for power. Amen. If you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, get filled with the Holy Ghost. And then you've got the powerhouse in you. But you see, there are certain things we can pray for. One is boldness. Boldness. Remember... Also, what Paul said in Ephesians 6.18, the Bible says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And then in verse 19, Paul said, And for me, that utterance may be given to me. He was soliciting prayer. Amen. Yeah, ministers need to be prayed for too. That utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of thy word, that I may make it manifest as I ought to. Amen. So they were praying for boldness. Grant unto thy servants that with all boldness, verse 29 of Acts 4, they may speak thy word. And he said, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. Now, as of that time, Paul had not yet come with the revelation of 1 Corinthians 12, you know, about manifestations of the Holy Ghost. So they didn't know how, how to call them. They just called them signs and wonders. And that's okay. That signs and wonders will be wrought by the name of our holy child Jesus. Bible says, and when they had prayed, verse 31, the place was shaking where they were assembled together. And the Bible says, and they were all, that will include Peter and John, wouldn't it? And all of them. Well, if nobody else, I know Peter and John were in Acts 2-4. Because it was Peter that stood up and preached that message. That 3,000 got saved on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 men. So he was there in Acts 2-4. And John was there too because all the disciples were there. You know, Matthias had replaced Judas. So they were all gathered there. And they were all filled in Acts 2.4. And then in Acts 4.31, the Bible says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God in boldness. So you see, that's the pattern in the New Testament. One initial infilling, but there should be subsequent refillings. 
So God wants us to stay filled with the Holy Ghost on a daily basis. On a daily basis. Amen. Have meetings where we come together to get refilled afresh. Glory to God. That's the plan of God. And now you notice it says, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess. Amen. But be being filled with the Spirit. You see, the memory of yesterday's drinking will not get you filled today. If you want to be drunk today, you have to drink today. Thank God for yesterday. Thank God for the day before yesterday. Thank God for last week. But you see, this is a fresh day. Amen. And God wants us to stay filled with the Spirit on a daily basis, on an ongoing basis. That's the plan of God. And being filled with the Spirit is likened to being drunk with wine. Amen. Now, on the day of Pentecost, they did not only speak with tongues. I can tell you that. Why do I know they did not only speak with tongues? Because the Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 14, 23, that if all of us come together and we are all speaking in tongues, that those who are unlearned, when they come there, they will say we are mad. Are you listening to me? But on the day of Pentecost, did they say they were mad? That wasn't what they said. You know, others mocking, verse 13 says, these are full of new wine. Then verse 14, Peter standing with 11, Acts 2, said these are not drunk as you suppose. Now, Peter did not say they weren't drunk. Peter only said they are not drunk as you suppose. They are drunk, yes, you are correct. But they are not drunk as you suppose. Amen. Sin is but the third hour. And I said this is uh, in fulfillment of that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. That it shall come to pass in the last days. I pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Amen. So you see, being filled with the Holy Ghost is likened to being drunk with wine. They must have done some things that drunk people do. To make those guys think that they were drunk. What are some things drunk people do? Drunk people laugh. Drunk people dance. Drunk people don't have a care. Actually, that's why some of them go to drink. They've got so many problems, they just want to get rid of their problems. So they drink and they're in a temporary state of stupor. You know, we've heard of tramadol. Am I correct? We've heard of some of those drugs that folks take to get a high. Let me tell you something. You can stay high on the most high. By staying filled with the Holy Ghost on a daily basis. You see, maintaining a spirit-filled life is maintaining your spiritual life. Are you hearing me? Maintaining a spirit-filled life is maintaining your spiritual life. That's how to maintain your spiritual life. Romans 12, 11, the Bible says, Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. That's what it means to be filled with the spirit. It means to be fervent in the spirit. It means to be hot and boiling and on fire for God. Have you ever seen a Christian and you look at that guy and say, wow, that guy is on fire for God. That's what you're talking about. He's filled with the Spirit. And you see, God wants us to stay that way. He wants us to maintain that life. Maintaining a Spirit-filled life is maintaining your spiritual life. Maintaining a Spirit-filled life is maintaining your spiritual health. Amen. And it will affect your mental health. It will affect your physical health. It will affect every aspect of your being. Now, we heard some testimonies of some healings that took place. Yeah, when people get filled with the Holy Ghost, it affects the entirety of your being. You see, it's that same Holy Ghost that heals you. It's the one that also fills you. Amen. Yes, there's a place of staying in the Word, believing God's Word, and that comes first. 
And we ought to continue doing that. But you see, there is a refreshing you get in the place of prayer. A refreshing you get through the Holy Ghost. You can't get any other way. Praise God. So maintaining a spiritual life is maintaining your spiritual health. It's being on fire for God. Amen. You know, sometimes there could be a believer and you look at that guy, you say, well, he's not at par spiritually. His spiritual health has deteriorated. His spiritual life is not where it used to be. Now, what are you talking about? You mean the person is not staying filled? Now, remember in Acts chapter 6 from verse 1, the Bible lets us know there that when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the uh, 12 apostles, they stood with the company of the disciples and said, it is not reason for us to leave the word of God and serve tables. Then they said, look ye out among yourselves. Seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And the Bible says, uh, the saying, please the whole multitude, said, we'll give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. Now, that they said something, and it pleased the whole multitude. I remember there was 120 on the day of Pentecost. There were... Then there was the 3,000 that got saved. Then there was the 5,000 as result of the healing of the man by the gate beautiful. That's 8,120. So the early church was at least 8,120. And then he said something that pleased the whole multitude. Listen, that was a miracle. Especially a Pentecostal multitude. That was a miracle. Glory to God. Now where I'm going is this. Notice they said, look ye out among yourselves. Seven men of honor's report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. That means that if someone is full of the Holy Ghost, we can tell. We can tell. There are some things we will see in his life. There are some marks of the spirit-filled life. And like we said, maintaining a spirit-filled life is maintaining your spiritual life. It's maintaining your spiritual health. It will affect your spiritual health. It will affect your mental health. It will affect your physical health. Remember the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7 that God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You see the Holy Ghost is the spirit of a sound mind. Obviously there's a problem with depression in the world today. We hear of cases of suicide. I'm telling you this is one of the things that will fix that. If you can get people born again and get them staying filled with the spirit well They'll be, they, they'll, they'll be in high spirits all the time. Now, does it mean they won't face tests? No, they'll face tests. They'll face trials. But you see, the Holy Ghost is the spirit of a sound mind. Amen. It's not a spirit of depression. It's the spirit of a sound mind. Now, what are the marks of this spirit-filled life? What are the characteristics of this spirit-filled life? How could they tell? That some people were filled with the Spirit. How can we know if someone is filled with the Spirit? Well, the Scriptures tell us how. Ephesians 5, verse 18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be being filled with the Spirit. Now verse 19 goes on to say, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Really, there are three main characteristics of the spirit-filled life. Three main marks that you want to look out for. Those must have been the things they were looking out for in those men. Those seven that they chose. 
which included Stephen and Philip and Prochorus and the rest of them, Nicholas and so on. They were looking at three things, looking for three things. What are those things? Number one, supernatural utterance. Supernatural utterance. They were all filled with the Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. You see, when people get filled with the Holy Ghost, there is an initial evidence. The initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Ghost is speaking in other tongues. That's the initial evidence. Praise God. But you see, that's not where it should stop. I've met people, ask them, are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Oh, yeah, I spoke in tongues 17 years ago. But what about since then? What have you done since then? No, don't let it be just something you spoke in so many years back. Let it be something you speak in regularly. I was listening to a preacher. He was talking about prophecy. That prophecy is what edifies the church. And that's the truth. You know, that tongues, when you just speak in tongues, all you're doing is you're edifying yourself. And that's true. And that we shouldn't be selfish. You know, we should seek to excel to edify the church. And that's correct. But let me tell you something. You can't edify others until you've been edified yourself. Amen. Smith Wigglesworth. In his lifetime, he raised at least 23 people from the dead. 23 people. Now, I don't think that was a selfish man. I think that was a man that knew the power of God. And he did something with it. I don't know if you've woken 23 people from sleep. The man raised 23 people from the dead. Amen. Clinically dead. One happened in the hospital. When the nurse saw it, the nurse fainted. And they had to wake the, the nurse from her fainting stupor. Glory to God. He had a neighbor, Mr. Mitchell. Spoke about that and it's spoken of in his book, Ever Increasing Faith. Now, the man never read a book that wasn't the Bible. <laughs> Even that book, he didn't read it. It was 18 sermons that were compiled from his messages that someone put together. He didn't read it. The proceeds from the book was used for missions. He had a heart for the lost. Every week, he'll believe God and trust God to lead him to somebody who he could lead to the Lord. Had such a heart for the lost. Well, somebody asked him one time, said, what's the secret of your success? They said, is it an education? He said, no, it's not. I don't have any. It was an on-school plumber. Amen. You know, in his day, there weren't labor laws. There weren't laws against child labor. When he was eight, he started working. As a little boy, his family was poor. So he never had an education. It was said that it was his wife, Holy, that taught him to read. And um, maybe he didn't do as good a job learning or she didn't do as good a job teaching. But somewhere along that line, he didn't quite get it too good. It was one time he wrote a letter, spelled Holy Spirit, spelled it in so many different ways. And not one of them was correct. Amen. Praise God. You know. But one thing about Smith Eaglesworth was this. When he will get under the anointing, the Holy Ghost will come on him. And his diction, his words, his syntax, his grammar, everything will just line up when the anointing will come on him. Whoa, glory to God. He knew something about the anointing. So they said, is it an education? He said, no, it's not. I don't have any. He said, is it pulpit etiquette? He said, what's so called? I don't know what pulpit etiquette is. So that's not it. They said then, What's your secret? He told them, he said, it's tongues. I edify myself two hours in tongues in the afternoon. And then I go to the meeting at night and I edify the people. Praise God. Remember 1 Corinthians 14, 4. Says he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. 
he charges up himself like a battery. Praise God. Howard Carter founded the oldest Pentecostal Bible school in the world. He made a statement. He said, speaking in other tongues is not only an initial evidence of the Holy Spirit's indwelling presence, but should be a continual experience for the rest of one's life to assist in the worship of God. A flowing stream of praise that shall never dry out, but will enrich the life spiritually. Amen. So it starts with the initial evidence. You get filled with the Holy Ghost. You speak in tongues, but don't stop there. Continue to speak in other tongues. Continue to pray in other tongues. Continue to do that. Every time in scripture that people got filled with the Holy Ghost, they spake. They spoke in tongues. Amen. In this New Testament dispensation, you read in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, where the Bible says, no man speaking by the Spirit of God called Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord or by the Holy Ghost. So, for the sinner to confess Jesus as his Lord, it takes the convicting power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank God for that. You know, Acts 4.31, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God to boldness. So, when people get filled, they will speak. They will speak in tongues. They will speak the word of God. Amen. They will confess Jesus' Lordship when the Holy Ghost is on them. Whatever they say or do, we bring attention to Jesus. So the first mark of the Spirit-filled life is supernatural utterance. Supernatural utterance. And I notice that the Bible goes on to talk about in that verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, what are those psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? Now, this was the Ephesian church Paul was writing to. They didn't have access to the Old Testament school. They didn't have printing presses. So what was he talking about when he said psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? Was he talking about Psalm 121? I'll lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord. Well, uh, for your information, you don't need to lift up your eyes to any hill now. Because your helper lives in you. Glory to God. Thank God for those psalms. They were given by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. They are scripture. We read them today and we get blessed. But listen, we have to rightly divide scripture. There are some of them that will not apply to us. For instance, in Psalm 35, Lord, contend with those who contend against me. Let them eat their own flesh. Let them drink their own blood. Now, it was okay for David to pray that way under the old covenant because it was a covenant of an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But in the new covenant, Jesus said in Matthew 4, uh, Matthew 5, 43, said, you have heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He said in verse 44, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. So yes, we need to rightly divide the scriptures. We need to understand there was the old covenant, there's the new covenant. We, used, we ought to read the old covenant with glasses that are colored with the new covenant. Amen. We are to read the Bible in the light of our redemption. In the light of the finished work. We are to understand that there was a divide. A major divide that the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ brought forth. Once people don't understand that, let me tell you something. 70% of their theology will be messed up. And that's a big problem in the body of Christ today. Amen. But you see, thank God for those psalms. Many of them will still bless us today. All of them really 
will bless us because we see the things the Spirit of God gave him. And by rightly dividing the word of truth, we get blessed from all scripture. Praise God. But you see, Psalms there is talking about something that comes to us. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It's something the Spirit of God gives us at the spur of the moment. Either through tongues and interpretation or through the simple gift of prophecy. Now remember the Bible says that ye may all prophesy one by one. Every believer can prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14, 31. 1 Corinthians 14, 13. The Bible says, let him that speaks in tongues pray that he may interpret. Every believer should be able to interpret his own tongues. Now every time, no. But there are times that you say things that God wants your mind to know what you said. There are times you pray things that God wants your mind to be edified. Amen. You see, those psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, they come by the spirit of prophecy or through tongues and interpretation at the spur of the moment. What's a psalm? A psalm is a spiritual poem or an ode. It may rhyme or it may not, but usually there's an element of poetry to it. It may be sung, it may be chanted, and it may be recited. That's a psalm. What's a hymn? A hymn is a song of worship addressed to either God the Father or the Lord Jesus Christ. A song of worship addressed to God. That's what a hymn is. Now, we have hymn books today. Many of the songs in those hymn books are good, but some of them are not. Some songs in those song books are embalmed with unbelief. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Glory to God. That's the way John Alexander Dowie put it, and I agree with him. Some of those songs, you shouldn't be singing them. There are some songs I don't sing. I saw one hymn one time. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and woe. I said, well, that's not me talking to. Amen. Another one goes like this. Oh God, just build me a cabin in the corner of glory land. Listen, God doesn't have cabins in glory land. Said in my father's house, there are many mansions. You know, another song goes like this. Here I wander like a beggar. Through the heat and the cold. Listen, I'm not a beggar and I'm not wandering. Praise God, I'm a king. I'm seated together with Jesus at the right hand of the Father. I reign on this earth in union with him. Praise God. Some of them are a blessing, some are not. But a hymn is a song of worship addressed to God. What of a spiritual song? A spiritual song is a song that brings forth the import of what the Spirit of God is saying at the moment. There's a man by the name Keith Moore, Pastor Keith. He went around in a lot of Brother Hagin's meetings. He went with him. And in some of those camp meetings, you see Brother Hagin, he'll finish teaching. And when he finishes teaching, Brother Keith, you got a song. And then Brother Keith will come. And in some of those meetings, he will speak a song, sing a song out. Now, many of those songs were not songs he knew before. He's just singing it fresh off the press. And some of those songs will have first stanza, second stanza, sometimes even a third stanza. And then they'll have a chorus. And he's just getting it from heaven at the spur of the moment. There's a man by the name David Ingalls. David Ingalls spoke a lot of songs by the Holy Ghost. He was an excellent songwriter. Amen. Uh, Buddy Harrison, Buddy and Pat Harrison, the flow also in this, the tongues interpretation, both in their marriage and in ministry. Uh, uh, Papa and Mama Goodwin, J.R. Goodwin, they operated in tongues and interpretation too. But you see, these things are for every believer. 
These things are what we ought to use every day. Listen, I spoke in Psalms, hymns and spiritual songs this morning. I did it yesterday morning. I did it day before yesterday morning. I did it day before that day. I did it day before that day. Every single day in my private devotions, I spend time praying in other tongues. Then I get over in this other area and I begin to speak by the Spirit of God. And sometimes as I begin to speak, I have an idea what my day is going to be like. I have an idea certain things that will happen that day. Sometimes I'm going through a test, going through a trial, and I need some encouragement. Well, nobody can encourage me better than me. Amen. You know, the Holy Ghost is our comforter. But how does he comfort us? The Bible says, he that prophesies, speaketh to men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. Part of how we receive the comfort of the Holy Ghost is by speaking these things out. Praise God. Now, because I do this regularly, it's easy for me to also do it in public. You know, Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, if it's something you didn't know before, then it's a teaching. If it's something you knew before, then it's an admonition, a reminder. So there's a private side as well as a public side to these things. Are you listening? Now, look at what I'm going to do. Amen. I'm just going to take a little time to talk in other tongues. And what am I doing? I'm fine-tuning my spirit to the Holy Ghost inside me. I'm stirring up the spirit of prophecy in me. Well, someone says, but it looks like you're doing it at will. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing with the help of the Holy Ghost. See, there are certain things I can't do at will. It's as the spirit of God wills. But you see, when it comes to prophecy in my private life, God will not tell me to do what he will not anoint me to do. When it comes to maintaining a spiritual life and speaking in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, the Holy Ghost will enable me to do it. Amen. It's just like tongues. You know, sometimes some people think that, well, you can only speak in tongues if there's a special ecstasy that comes on you. If the Holy Ghost moves on you specially. That's not true. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, he said, what is it then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. He said, I will sing with the Spirit. And I will sing with the understanding also. Amen. So by an act of my will, I can speak in tongues. By an act of my will, also with the help of the Holy Ghost, I can interpret what I said in tongues. Because that's the context of that. Do we understand that? Now just look at this. Amen. Now, in doing that, I looked inside. I put on my spiritual antennae. Amen. On the inside. And then, now, because I, I've exercised myself in this for years, for decades, it's easy for me to just start flowing like that. Now, I've got a psalm. The title of it is Joy. Now, usually, all I have sometimes is the title. Sometimes, what I have is the first line. Amen. But God never gives me everything. If he gave me everything, then I wouldn't need to walk by faith. Amen. But you see, if it's going to please God, faith has to be involved. So God tells us just enough to get us headed in the right direction. All I have is joy. But I'm just going to step out and speak that out in faith. And trust the spirit of God to give me the rest. Amen. Joy. Joy is my portion. Joy is my Lord. But I'm begotten of God. I'm born from above. Yeah, his joy is within my spirit. And I let it lose in my life. 
For that joy is unspeakable and indeed it's full of glory. I live in his joy and that's why I rejoice. I walk in that joy and so I'll sing. I'll sing his praise, I'll bless his name. No matter the trouble, no matter the trial. Yay, joy, joy, joy from above. Joy that's mine, joy that's in Christ. It's my strength, it's my wisdom. It's the vessel with which I appropriate that which is mine. I take advantage of his joy. And so I bask in his glory. I walk in that joy. And that's why, regardless of circumstances, I stay constant all the time. Uh, I have another one. When I was saying that, this just rose up inside me. Wisdom. Wisdom. There's the wisdom that cometh from above. There's the wisdom that is from down here beneath. There's a wisdom that's devilish, a wisdom that's evil, a wisdom that's sensual, a wisdom that's based on human logic and human calculation. Yea, walk not in that wisdom, but rather walk by the wisdom that comes from heaven. His wisdom is ours, is ours for we are in Christ. His wisdom indeed will enable us to succeed. As we take advantage of that wisdom <laughs> through the pages of the Holy Writ, as we look within, yea, for wisdom is in the inward parts. And understanding the Holy Writ says is in the heart. Yea, his wisdom is ours to take advantage of. And that wisdom will enable us to succeed. That wisdom will enable us to deal wisely in the affairs of life. That wisdom in our relationships. That wisdom in our businesses. That wisdom in our ministries. That wisdom in our walk with him. That wisdom is ours. It's ours for the taking. Take that wisdom and walk in it. And you'll see that life will be different. And circumstances will change. <laughs> I got another one rising up inside me. <laughs> I walk by faith and not by my senses. I walk by the word of God and not by my feelings. For going by the senses is going in defeat. Going by the senses is being dominated by the adversary. But rather I walk in the light. In the light of that which my father has spoken. For he's not a man that he should lie. Nor son a man that he should repent. Yea, he stands back of his every word. He watches over his every promise and as surely as I stand my ground on his word and I walk in the light thereof believe in him yea he'll perform it and I'll have cause to rejoice and I'll have much cause to be glad praise the Lord glory to God glory to God now you see this is the thing about speaking this is the thing about speaking God's word says in first Thessalonians chapter 5 in verse uh, if you start from verse 16 it says rejoice evermore 17 says pray without season. 18 says in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Then God's word goes on to say this quench not the spirit. Verse 19 quench not the spirit. So that means the spirit of God can be quenched. The next verse says despise not prophesying. Verse 20. Then verse 21 says prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Listen one of the ways to quench the move of the spirit is to despise inspired utterance. That's what prophesying is. is inspired utterance in a known language. So if you despise inspired utterance, you're going to quench the move of the spirit. Now that tells me something. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure it out. If despising inspired utterance will quench the move of the spirit, that means that encouraging inspired utterance will fan the flame of the move of the spirit. Now, did you notice that when I began to speak in Psalms, amen, something happened to the atmosphere. The meeting stepped up to a higher level. You see, there's something about, there's a difference between the flesh, the Holy Ghost, and demon activity. There's some things, it's demon activity. 
But there's some things, it's not demon activity, it's just the flesh. And there's some things, no, it's not the flesh, it's not demon activity, it's the Holy Ghost. How do you know? You know by the inward witness. But you see also, if something happens and the hair at the back of your head just seems to stand up straight. And there's just something off about it. Usually that's demon activity. But somebody gives an utterance and um, it just takes the meeting higher. It just inspires the meeting. It just lifts the meeting up. Then that's the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, he that prophesies, speaketh to men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. Praise God. So the Holy Ghost, he builds us up. He doesn't tear us down. Now, also, we ought to judge prophecy. Now, the simple gift of prophecy carries no prediction whatsoever. It's just speaking to men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. But you see, sometimes... The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge will operate through the gift of prophecy. And that happens in the ministry of the prophet many times. See, some believers that operate in the simple gift of prophecy, they see a prophet now giving a word of wisdom through the gift of prophecy. And then because God uses them in prophecy, they try to do that too. And then sometimes they get off. Are you listening? Yes, God could reveal something. If he reveals stuff, great. Praise God. But the simple gift of prophecy is just speaking to men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. And it lifts the meeting. And these things should be judged. Remember the Bible also says that he who prophesies should do it according to the proportion of faith. Then Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And it now goes on to say, teaching and admonishing one another in Psalms. Now when you are full of the word, then the Holy Ghost has a whole lot to draw from. To inspire you to speak. Amen. And also, prophecy is to be judged by God's word. If it's the spirit of God, it'll line up with the word of God. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, it doesn't magnify Jesus. It doesn't bring blessing to the body of Christ. It doesn't reach the lost and draw him to Jesus. Believe me, it's not the spirit of God. Amen. Do we have a right to judge people? No, we don't. We don't judge fellow Christians. We don't even judge ministers. Not if you love yourself. Don't go there. Not if you love yourself. Not if you want to live long. And you want to walk in health. Don't go there. However, we have a Bible right to judge doctrine. We have a Bible right to judge ministries. Not the minister. But someone is ministering something. You can judge it and say, no, that's not the spirit of God. No, that doesn't line up with God's word. We have a right in God's word to do that. Amen. We have a right. We have a right. Yes, some, they've made a detour. They've made mistakes in the past in learning to flow in the things of God's spirit. And then their fingers got burned as it were and they drew back and they drew away. But listen, saith God, don't draw back. Don't draw away from the things of the spirit. Press in and press on and move in. Yea, for now you've got some more Spiritual maturity beneath your belt. Yea, contend for the supernatural. Contend for the moving of my spirit. For the growth you yearn to see in your church. The increase you've been hungry after. These things will happen when you let my spirit have right away. These things will happen when you allow me to move as I want to. 
But there's a work that needs to be done in these last days. There's uh, an assignment, an assignment that the church has been given. Yay, to bring back the king, to bring back the king, to bring back the king. And it's not natural ability that will help us get it done. It's not going to be our uh, mental acumen that will enable us to do it. It's going to be the anointing. And so take up the mantle, take up the glory, take up the power, take up the gifts of the spirit, take up the things that are resident within your spirit and begin to press in and begin to move out and begin to flow in to those things, yea, that I've spoken to you of. For my hand, my power will move like a river, like a mighty river will flow across the land. My glory will be seen oftentimes hanging on entire congregations and you will see cripples run for joy. You will see blind eyes pop open left, right and center. You will see deaf ears get unstopped. You will see these things happen. For this is that day, the day, the day that the prophets of old prophesied of just before Jesus' return, that the heavens must retain him until there's the restoration of all things. So those things are being restored now. Ministry gifts in their full orb, in their full potential, we will see. Yes, some have stepped into that realm in the office of the prophet, seen into the spirit, and then they, will back, they backed off. Once in a while, some have stepped there, and then they will step out. But you will see men who will abide, who will stay there. And they will see things concerning entire continents. They will speak things concerning entire nations. For the things that are to come, <laughs> the things that are to come, the things that are to come, they are not unknown to God. He is the omniscient one. And as he sees fit, he will reveal these things to us. And yes, 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 the body of Christ will arise in its majesty, in its splendor, in its glory, and will display the character of Jesus, will display the authority of Jesus, will display his power as well. <laughs> and great shall be the reward thereof. Amen. Well, that's what the Holy Ghost is saying. <laughs> that's what the Holy Ghost is saying. Well, I started off just uh, the simple gift of prophecy, but I stepped over into that other area. Praise God. Glory to 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 God. Thank you, Lord. 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 Well, if you want me to do that, I will. Ha ha. Pomradelo huso fakabaratile hihe. Mambaratisa ha. Mambaratisa ha. Hmm. Mangles. Mangles. All right then, I will when the time comes. Amen. So what were you saying? Well, I was having a conversation with the Lord. So like I was saying, supernatural utterance. Supernatural utterance. Amen. And these things are for our individual lives as well as for assemblies. Now, did you notice that the atmosphere here has changed some more still? It's like the meeting keeps going from glory to glory. What's happening? That's inspired utterance. Amen. Now, we ought to have choirs that know how to sing in the spirit. Yes, there are good songs we can sing, songs that already exist, songs that are scriptural. Now, there are some songs people shouldn't sing because they don't line up with scripture. Amen. You know, I remember one fellow one time, a friend of mine, he was singing this song, Creating Me a Clean Heart, O God, and Renew a Right Spirit Within Me. Now, that's a good song. If you're a sinner, you need to sing that because you need a clean heart. You need God to renew a right spirit in you. But if you're born again, my friend, where is he going to get it from? 
If the one he did at the new birth wasn't good enough, well, he, I can't help you. Neither can God. Amen. You know, we ought to have some sense, some Bible sense with our singing. Praise God. Amen. It's not just about good melody. Where is the truth of redemption in that song? Is Jesus magnified? Is the finished work glorified? Is God extolled? Amen. Doesn't line up with scripture. If it doesn't line up with scripture, you have no business singing it. Shut up. Amen. And then sometimes you'll even see us, oh, we'll shed a few tears. Claim to be getting blessed. We don't know we are grieving the spirit of God. And Jesus is just shaking his head. That's not what I died for. That's not what I died for. That's not what I suffered for. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Who is the person with the toothache? The, 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 it, it's, it's a tooth on the right side of your mouth. Who are you? Amen. All right. You're healed now in Jesus' name. The power of God just got into it. You know, God will do something sometimes just as a sign. Amen. He's the spirit of God. He's the spirit of God. Amen. Supernatural utterance. Supernatural utterance. The second thing. Perpetual thanksgiving. Now, if I were given a singing, I would have sang those psalms out. Now, imagine if I were given a singing. You know, I could have waxed so many albums. <laughs> Glory to God. Supernatural utterance, number one. Secondly, perpetual thanksgiving. See, the second mark of the spiritual life is the giving of thanks. People who are filled with the spirit are full of thanksgiving. They are full of praise to God. When things are going good, when things are going bad, they give thanks to God all the same. <laughs> My dad got home one day. His friend, you know, a friend of his had died. So I went to open the door for him, went to welcome him. So he just said to me, he said, do I know that so-and-so is dead? Without thinking, I said, praise God. Just without thinking, reflex action. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. You see, whatever you're full of is going to come out of you when you're under pressure. You don't want something to happen and then you say... Hey, oh, I'm dead. You know, they're believers. That's what will come out of their mouths by reflex. I'm dead. They see a friend they haven't seen in a long while. It's a lie. It's not a lie. It's the truth. That's them. Why are you building a lie into your system? It's the truth. Why are you saying it's a lie? It's not a lie. You can see it. It's the truth. Don't build wrong stuff into your system. Amen. Praise God. We should be filled with the praises of God. The praises of God. The praises of God. When you are faced with pressure. When you are faced with the worst trials. You see, thank God for us jumping and shouting in this atmosphere. It's a good atmosphere to learn. But are you listening? It's not meant for church alone. It's easy to jump and shout when everything is going fine. What about when you don't have money to pay that bill? What about when the symptoms in your body are horrible and the doctor's report is bad? See, that's the time to praise God too. Paul and Silas at midnight, right there in prison. It was a literal midnight. But you see, at that midnight hour of your life. <laughs> wow, glory to God. Glory, glory, glory to God. We can rejoice. We can rejoice. We can rejoice. We can have a jumping spell, a running spell, a shouting spell, a glory spell. Oh, glory to God. 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 Thanksgiving. Rejoicing. 
praises to God. People who are filled with the Holy Ghost, I mean, they, they, at the drop of a hat, they will take a, a, a run. <laughs> Whoa! Glory to God. 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 Brother Hagin talked about one time, his daughter, she was a little girl then. Well, the person I'm talking about is over 70 today. The devil tried to put fever on her. Well, he laid his hand on her. And then he said, oh God, I just want to thank you for this test. I just want to thank you because this is just another opportunity to act on your word. I just want to thank you because this is just another opportunity to act like the Bible is true. Whoa, glory to God. While he was praising God, the fever left. So he didn't even have the chance to rebuke the devil about it. See, there's something about praising God. The Bible says in the mouth of babes and sucklings, God has perfected praise. Another place he said he has ordained strength that he might steal the adversary. Someday, you see, the devil cannot handle the praises of God. He can't. He has brought that problem to get your focus off God. He has brought that challenge to try your faith. Amen. And to get you to give up on your faith. Give up, give up on your confession of it. But right in the face of it, you keep saying, well, the Bible says it. I believe it and that settles it. I am who the word says I am. I have what the word says I have. I can do what the word says I can do. Glory to God. No, the Bible says to count it all joy. When you fall into diverse temptations. So we begin to praise God regardless of circumstances. Regardless of circumstances. Okay, your boyfriend jilted you. Now I know I'm talking to somebody. That man you had dated for so long. All of a sudden, when your wedding is meant to be within about six weeks from now, he suddenly tells you he's not doing anymore. And you know what's really behind it is that there's another lady around the corner somewhere. You know? And then you want to now kill yourself because of that. That makes no sense. Good readings or bad rubbish. Oh, glory to God. I'm not saying it's bad rubbish, but that's bad rubbish behavior. Amen. If he's doing it for the wrong reason and with a bad heart. What do you do? Better thank God that he left now. Wow, glory to God. See, there's something about the spirit of faith. It's about your perspective. It's about the, your perspective. You see, I have learned to stay on the side that keeps faith. I'm an incurable optimist. Incurable, incurable, incurable optimist. I'm always positive. Like the Apostle Paul, there was no negative bone in that guy. If there was, he would have broken it and removed it. Amen. So when you're filled with the Spirit, you'll be full of thanksgiving to God. You'll be full of praises to God. You wake up in the morning, glory to God. You know, when you're filled with the Spirit, your wife will look more beautiful. When you're filled with the Spirit, people will look different. When you're filled with the Spirit, life will look different. The glasses will look different. The sun will look different. Life will be different for you. Because you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, glory to God. Just a positivity. Thanksgiving. Praise to God. Thanks to God. Worship to God. And you know, we can do it New Testament style. There's the brass. We don't need to bring the brass of the world back. No, there's the gold. The real gold. When we do it, not in the flesh. See, the Bible says we are the circumcision. Philippians 3, 3, that worship God in the spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus. And we have no confidence in the flesh. As just as soon dance without the anointing and smoke a stick of cigarette. Amen. Yeah, both are in the flesh. 
I don't want to know which is more in the flesh. They're both in the flesh. I don't want flesh. Glory to God. In the New Testament, all praise, all worship is to be done in the spirit. Now you could hear this and get mad, but that's your problem, not mine. Praise God. Amen. Be being filled with the spirit. Be being filled with the spirit. Speaking. That's God's emphasis for New Testament worship. That's how it ought to be. Praise God. See, the world claps. The world claps. But saints lift up holy hands. I said this earlier on. Is there a place for clapping in the service? There is. We're singing an upbeat song. Yes, that's a good time to clap. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. A brand new creation in him. I'm a partaker of his divine nature. On me he will not impute sin. Yeah, you know the kind of songs I like. I like songs that are the word. Praise God. So there's good songs. You can clap to the beat of the song. Well, we're introducing a guest or the choir. And we put our hands together for them as they're coming up. That's okay. That's correct. Amen. But somebody is preaching and he says something that blesses us. Or someone finishes ministering in song. That's not the time to clap. That's the time to praise God. That's the time to praise God. That's the time to lift up holy hands. What are we to do with our hands in the New Testament? We're to lift them up. We're to lift them up. We're to lift them up. In praise, in worship, in reverence to God. Amen. You see, dance is another thing. You see, there is a dance just because we are dancing to the beat of the music. You know, and we are, you know. There may be a place for that. Are you listening? Maybe a social gathering. You know, you are doing your wedding reception. And they say, let's, the bride is coming in. And you want to show everybody how well you can. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Where, you know, you, you're going to turn the back of your father's 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 father. You know, and you're calling us. Or maybe you're doing it. Something like that. A social gathering. Yeah, that may be a good place. But listen, that's not the worship of God. Don't get it mixed up. That's just bodily exercise. Yeah, it profits a little. Amen. But you see, there is a dance in the Holy Ghost. But let me tell you what we have done. We have told the Holy Ghost we don't need him. We have told the Holy Ghost we know Shoki. We know Skelewu. We know Shakiti Bobo. Yeah. We do, we do those things. And then you see those things in church. There are some dances that if you are a believer who loves the Lord. There are some dances some ladies are doing. You will say blood of Jesus. Am I correct? Is that the Holy Ghost? No. Something that stirs up the flesh. No, it couldn't be the Holy Ghost. It's lasciviousness. And we've done it so long until we think it's right. And it's done in high places. Look, if it doesn't line up with scripture, it doesn't line up with scripture. It doesn't line up with scripture. Amen. And some of us are going to be strong in contending for the supernatural. Amen. Praise God. There's a place of yielding to the Holy Ghost. And you see, a time is coming where some things will be lost, lost, lost. If we don't contend for them. If we don't teach about them. And then you know there are times we try to mix both of them. Listen they don't mix. If you want to do flesh. Do flesh. And we know you are in flesh. It's okay for you. If that's how you want to be. We won't fight you. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. If that's how you believe. I'm not going to quarrel with you over it. But don't quarrel with me over mine. Amen. But you see. Let's contend for the real deal. We'll get deeper into the things of God. We'll get deeper into the moves of God. We'll get deeper into the power of God. Amen. 
Supernatural utterance, perpetual thanksgiving, perpetual thanksgiving, perpetual thanksgiving, where we praise God and we can praise him in the dance. Besides, you don't need music to dance. Amen. We can praise him in the dance. Psalm 149 verse 3, Psalm 150 verse 4. Praise God. In the book of Revelation, the Bible speaks about musical instruments. That's okay. They have their place. Are you listening to me? Amen. Perpetual thanksgiving, that's number two. And then the third and the last of them, mark of the spirit-filled life. The Bible says submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That's what I call reverential submission. See, people who are filled with the Holy Ghost have a submissive attitude. A humble, teachable spirit is a mark of the spirit-filled life. I don't care how many hours you talk in tongues. If you have a know-it-all attitude, you are not staying filled with the Spirit. You are not yielding to the Spirit of God who is on the inside of you. None of us knows it all. Are you listening to me? Where my knowledge ends is where someone else's knowledge starts. Are you listening to me? And there's something about us being able to disagree without being disagreeable. We don't have to be disagreeable. We don't have to split hairs over a disagreement. We can see things differently. We can disagree and that's okay. But we don't have to be disagreeable. We don't have to be disagreeable. We can maintain, we should maintain a teachable spirit. Now, there are some folks, you know, they're not word of faith. People, what we call word of faith, word of faith camp. But you know something? Don't get spoiled on just word of faith ministries. Are you listening to me? God may want to get something across to you. And he may not use any of your favorite preachers. You see, all of us, we are deficient by design. And we need one another. I tell Rema students all the time, and they are hearing me again. Rema students are hearing me again. Our graduates are hearing me. Folks are hearing me. And this is something we need to constantly remind ourselves of. Thank God for the Rema camp. Thank God for our camp. Now, if you don't feel your camp is the best camp, you're in the wrong camp. So it's a good thing to feel, you know. Yeah, you should, you should be glad about where you are. But listen, where our knowledge of God's word ends is where somebody else's knowledge of God's word starts. We're all deficient by design. And we need one another. Rhema, the Rhema family is not the body of Christ. We're a part of the body of Christ. Thank God, yes, we're a significant part. Just like there are other significant parts. But we are not it. We are not it. We must never have that mindset. It will put people off us. We must always have the mindset, thank God for what we know. But let's be teachable. We don't want to be so full of ourselves. We don't want to, you know, have a know-it-all attitude because we don't know it all. So when you're filled with the Spirit, you have a humble, teachable spirit. You'll be ready to learn from other people. You'll have a submissive attitude. You'll be submissive to considered authority. You'll be submissive to the Word of God. You'll be submissive to the Spirit of God. And you'll be easy to get along with. People who are filled with the Holy Ghost, they are the sweetest people you can find. You know, someone said one of the ways you can know how spiritual somebody is, is to see whether sinners, you know, feel condemned around the person. And to see whether little children can play around the person. Jesus played with children. He ate in the house of sinners. He loved on them. He didn't love their sin. Amen. And he reached them with the gospel. He condemned sin, but not the sinner. So when you're filled with the spirit, you have a teachable spirit, a meek attitude. A humble attitude. And this is something we all need to keep reminding ourselves of. We all need to keep reminding ourselves of. See, 1 Corinthians 8.1 says, Knowledge puffs up, 
but love edifies. I looked up that word knowledge. I found that one of its meanings is gnosis. One of the meanings of gnosis is partial insight into truth. You see, epignosis does not puff up. Any revelation knowledge does not puff up. Anytime you see somebody who is all puffed up, what they have is gnosis, not epignosis. One of the meanings of gnosis is partial insight into truth. They don't know it like they ought to. See, in the Old Testament, the king was to have a copy of the law. He was to read it every day. And why was he to read it? One of the reasons was so that he would stay humble. The knowledge of God does not make you arrogant. The real knowledge of God, revelation knowledge of God will not make you arrogant. It will make us humble. Amen. And there's something about humility. The Bible says God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Now, there's what some people call humility that's really, it's not humility. The Bible says humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Not necessarily under the mighty hand of people. Not in the eyes of people. It says humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Not in the sight of people. You know, sometimes some people think being humble is driving an old car. Not necessarily. That could just be being ignorant. Could just be, might not. Amen. Some people think being humble is, oh God, you know I'm just a wretched sinner. No, that's being proud. Because if you're born again, God says you're righteous. Are you listening to me? So we must maintain a teachable spirit. Brother Hagin talked about one time he was in a meeting. He said there was this guy who was preaching. He sat there in the crowd. And then the guy said something really off. Really off. You know, it's like, you know, sometimes you can say that, oh, so and so is in this meeting. I will show him today. I will skin his hide. At least I'm the one with the mic now. I will skin his hide. You know, you know sometimes it can feel like that. Even though because we walk in love, we don't see it like that. We believe the best of people. So, well, this guy said something, and then um, he took a, a hit at the faith message and made a very derogatory remark about the faith message, the people that teach it and all that. He said, in the natural, he could have let his feelings get hurt. And you know, we've all been there. Somebody said something you didn't quite like, and you just switched off. No, we must never do that. He said he told himself, well, maybe he doesn't quite mean it like that. I give him the benefit of the doubt. He doesn't quite mean it like that. I believe the best of him, and he stayed open. He said, 10 minutes after, this same person gave the Bible answer to a question he had had for 25 years. Yeah. There are things you don't know that somebody knows. Yeah. Praise God. So that's why we must always stay teachable. We must always have a submissive attitude. You know, he talked, Brother Hagin talked about one fellow he went to preach for. And um, the guy wouldn't even come to his own meetings in his church. He wouldn't come. And then he got to talking with his wife, you know. And talking with the man, the man said, yes, I know you're right. And I know I'm wrong. But I'd rather die than admit I'm wrong. Of course, he died. Amen. You know, we should never get to that place. We should always stay teachable. We should always stay teachable. We should always maintain a submissive, easy-to-get-along spirit. We can disagree without being disagreeable. We can see things differently. And that's okay. Amen. But when we are filled with the spirit, we are humble. Amen. We are teachable. And we maintain that attitude. Now, as I begin to wrap this up and bring it to a close, what's the essence of being filled with the Spirit? Of course, number one, so that my spiritual life can be up to par, isn't it? So that our individual spiritual lives can be up to par. See, you don't have to be full of the Holy Ghost to be led by the Holy Ghost. Are you listening to me? Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Even if a fellow is not filled with the Spirit, if he's born of the Spirit, if he's born again, he can be led by the Spirit. You don't have to be filled with the Spirit to have the fruit of the Spirit in your life. 
It's not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's the fruit of the born again human spirit because of the life of Christ that is within it. Because of the work of the Holy Spirit in it in the new birth. And that's why sometimes you see more fruit of the Spirit in some denominational people than you see in some of us Pentecostals. Some of us, you want to call us Pentecostals and you want to call us Crazymatics with the way we behave sometimes. Praise God. So, you don't need to be filled with the Spirit to be led by the Spirit. You don't need to be filled with the Spirit to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. But listen, when you are filled with the Spirit, it becomes easier to be led by the Spirit. Luke 4 1 says, Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And sometimes the Spirit of God will lead you into the hard places. So when you are filled with the Spirit, it becomes easier to be led by the Spirit. You see, every single thing the Holy Spirit was doing within us in the new birth becomes amplified when we get filled with the Spirit. Is that clear? Every single thing. Every single thing. Now, why am I taking the time to teach some of these things? First, some of these things are not things that are necessarily uh, taught every time. Are you listening? So, some folks could say, why are they laughing like they're laughing? Why are they dancing like they're dancing? It's good we can see it in the word. It's good we understand it from God's word. And then it becomes something nobody can take from you. You know it. You can see it in the word. And then you can flow in it. It shouldn't be something that is for special meetings. It should be what? should be happening every time. Us yielding to the spirit of God. Flowing in the things of God. So when you are filled with the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, it becomes easier for you to walk in them. Amen. Praise God. It's easier to walk in love when you are filled with the spirit. Your joy, it goes up to the next level. The peace, the long suffering. Praise God. So maintaining a spirit-filled life enhances your own personal work with God. Your own spiritual life. Every single thing that the Holy Ghost is in us to do becomes amplified when we stay filled with the Spirit. But you see, that is one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is this. And that's where I'll be wrapping this up tonight. When you are filled with the Spirit, it becomes easier for you to minister and be a blessing to other people. You see, the well in the new birth is for your own benefit. The rivers of living water that are the consequence of being filled with the Holy Ghost are so that we can be a blessing to other people. Are you listening to me? So we can be a blessing to other people. Now, if you are here and you are called to the ministry, the essence of these meetings is not just so we can jump and shout and have a good time by ourselves. No, it's so that you can be energized and empowered to go out there and raise more dead people to go out there and get more sick people healed, to go out there and get more people saved, to go out there and get more people filled with the Holy Ghost. It's to embolden us to speak God's word, to preach God's word with power. Now, what was the essence of being filled with the Holy Ghost? The Bible says you will receive power, Acts 1.8. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. So the essence is that we might be witnesses are you listening? See, this power is so we can take it out to our churches, take it out on the streets, take it out to those villages, take it out to those places that nobody is going. But God is leading you. Then go and go in the power of the Holy Ghost and demonstrate the power of God. Listen, we're not going to reach unrich people groups in our strength. It's going to take the power of the Holy Ghost. You see, there's something about the supernatural. The ministry ought to be supernatural. It ought to be supernatural. 
It ought to be supernatural. We ought to contend for the supernatural. Now, if what we teach in societal leadership stream is all about, you know, how you can do an NGO, it's all about, you know, how you can disciple better, how you can be promoted at work, then you don't need to come to Rema to get that. You can get that in business school. And that's really, there's no gospel in that. That's, that's not gospel. But listen, as a lawyer, a banker, a housewife, a businessman, every single one of us has been given the ministry of reconciliation. Our societal leadership stream is so that we can go out in the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Who said you can have a word of knowledge in the banking hall as a banker, as a teller? Who said? Who said the power of God can flow through you as a doctor and there's someone you've tried to find out what's wrong with him. You've done all the prognosis, the diagnosis, all the gnosis that you know. You still don't know. Who said the spirit of God can't tell you what's the matter with him? Yes, he can. He can. He can. They're going for a business meeting. The spirit of God knows the one that will walk and the one that won't walk. So you see, it's about the anointing. It's about the ministry of reconciliation. It's about making Jesus known to people. It's about Jesus being real to us and taking him to our world. Now, seeing a need, hear me and hear me good. Seeing a need is not a call. Did you hear me? I'll say that again. Seeing a need is not a call. Let me say that one more time. Seeing a need is not a call. Yes, sometimes we see needs in the body of Christ. And if we can help, maybe pray towards it, give towards it, do something towards it, we ought to. But you see, it takes a divine calling. It takes God talking to you. And there are some people God has been talking to you to do some things. You need to step out and obey him. Are you listening to me? Now I'm speaking now to the family, to our Rema grads, to our Rema students. If all you came to get in Rema is a piece of paper, well, you have all men most miserable. If all you came is just so that they say, well, I passed through that school. I'm a Rema grad. That's nonsense. You wasted the two years. It's not about that. There's a work that needs to be done. There's a harvest that needs to be reaped. There is a spirit of faith. A pioneering spirit. Amen. A daring spirit. Let me tell you something. See, Rema grads are going to go to the, to the places people don't go. Why? Because there's just something about us. There's a daring about that spirit of faith. Yes. And we go in the power of the Holy Ghost. You see, God will nudge you in your heart. Do what he's telling you to do. Go where he's telling you to go. And don't go in your strength. Go with the gospel. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Present the message. Demonstrate the power. Demonstrate the power. Pray for the sick. Lay hands on them. Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Don't turn your churches to business schools. Are you hearing me? Yeah, I'm speaking to the family now. The gospel is the power of God. It's the answer to this generation. Nothing but the gospel. Nothing but the gospel. Now, there may be a place for that kind of knowledge. But you see, the ministry is supernatural. The ministry is about Jesus and him crucified. If that's not your message, shut up. Just shut up. Amen. We need to go out with the gospel. Go do what God called you to do. Go in the power of the Holy Ghost. Demonstrate the power of God. See, gifts of the Spirit. It's not for paper. We didn't have 12 hours of manifestations of the Spirit class. Just so that you can bisect, dissect, quadrisect, and sect-sect. Say, yes, that's a word of wisdom. 
flowing through the gift of prophecy. Okay, now, now, now. This one is now the simple gift of prophecy. Yes, yes, yes. That, that one is a word of knowledge. That wasn't the essence of that class. It's so that we can demonstrate the power of the Holy Ghost. You see, one miracle in the name of Jesus will do much more than a thousand dead sermons. There is a hunger in the heart of universal man for the miraculous. Man craves the touch of the unseen one. Man craves to see the power of God in demonstration. Are you listening? And you see, we are the only hope that the world has. We are the only hope that the world has. Listen, there is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. There are people going to Christless graves. This is about them. Are you listening? Being filled with the Holy Ghost is so that we can be witnesses. So that we can go with the power of God. So that we can demonstrate the gifts of the Spirit as the Spirit of God wills to a lost and dying world. Content for the supernatural. Content for the miraculous. Give room to the Holy Ghost to move. You see, there's a way you can do your church hmm? that the Holy Ghost, you will box him out. I know what I'm talking about. You can so organize that you organize the power of God out. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. We are losing it in the church world where this is concerned. We need to contend for the power. We need to contend for the miraculous. Pastor Hagin is very strong about this. Very strong about this. The power of Pentecost. Amen. The power of the Spirit of God. And remember, the essence of the power, the essence of Pentecost is so that we can be witnesses. There's the ministry of reconciliation we've all been given. What are you doing about the lost around you? What are you doing about the work of the ministry? What are you doing about what God called you to do? Some people, they just get knowledge and get more knowledge and get more knowledge and get more knowledge and get more knowledge until they are constipated. And they are doing nothing with it. I want to kick some of them in the butt and tell them, get out my friend. Go do what God called you to do. Go out my friend. Go get some, some lame healed. Go get some blind eyes open. Go get some sinners saved. Go where God has sent you to go. Amen. See, we are going to get the job done. The body of Christ will get the job done. The body of Christ is not growing weaker. We are going stronger and stronger and stronger. Jesus is not coming for a defeated church. He's coming for a glorious church. We are not the defeated church. We are not the church militating with the devil to see who will win. No, we are the triumphant church. We are the triumphant church. Amen. Maybe you are here tonight. And you don't know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. With every head bowed and eye closed. Well, I wouldn't like to close this meeting out without giving you an opportunity to receive him. Anybody like that. Or maybe you once knew the Lord but you got away from him. Amen. This is about you. It's for you. God loves you just as you are. Anybody like that. Anybody like that. Thank you my brother for that hand. Anybody else. Anybody else. You don't know the Lord. Amen. And you want to come to Jesus. You see, he's the husband to the bride, the friend to the friendless, the compass to the traveler, the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen. He's calling you today. Or maybe you once knew him, but you got away from him. You haven't been walking in fellowship with the Lord. You can come back to Father's house right now. Anybody else? Amen. Now, if you lifted your hand, or you should have lifted your hand, I want to do exactly what I said I'll do. I want to pray with you and pray for you. Come and join me right here. Praise God. Amen. Just pack your bag and come and join me right here. I want to pray for you and pray with you. Amen. Praise the Lord. 
Glory to God. Thank you, my brother. Anybody else? Anybody else? Saints praying. No one looking around. Anybody else? Praise God. All right, say with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you because there's salvation in that name. I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for my sins according to the scriptures. And he was raised from the dead. So I am made righteous. Thank you, Father, because I am saved. I am a new creature. I am the righteousness of God. The life of God is in me. I will walk with God. I will do his will. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Just turn around. You see that brother right there? Amen. Just go with him. He'll talk with you, Father. Get you filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, if you're here tonight and you're sick, listen. Jesus is the healer. 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 And the power is in his name. Amen. You won't leave here like you came. You won't leave here like you came. Because he's the same yesterday and today and forevermore. The Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. I want you to run out here now. Amen. Come out here. And as you're coming, say yes, I'm going to get my healing today. The moment hands are laid on me, I will be healed. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God.